oh dear, what have I done? You know, I've had all of these bad thoughts creep in about, oh my goodness, you know, no one will ever want to, you know, join the political party now. Like I've, what have I done? You know, um, I can't take anyone else through this to run them as a candidate. Now I just have to run independently, blah, 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 blah. And then you've seen over the weekend, we've got even more members joining. We had like three or four new people put forward as candidates because people have seen, you know, the fact that I'm happy to be authentic about this. I'm happy to own this, you know, indirectly the ABC and whoever else has provided with me with more of a platform to demonstrate more of what my actual values and character are right here and right now. G'day Sam and welcome back to my podcast. It's great to have you back on. It's been a very busy, busy week. One would say so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so for this podcast, I'm going to turn it over to you because I know there's a lot of uh, questions you want to discuss and it's easy for me to respond and we'll, we'll go from there. Nothing's off limits. Go nuts. Let's let's do it. Let's start with a two-word check-in, which I stole from Brene, Brene Brown. So Love her. She, make, Love her. she makes her people no matter what meeting she's doing, do a two-word check-in, which means you just have to answer in two feeling-based words. Okay. Answer in two feeling-based words. I don't understand. Yeah. So how would you how would you describe yourself if you check in right now in two words? Oh, geez. Uh, in two words. Frustrated but encouraged yeah how about you mm. exhausted inspired and what inspired inspired mm. we've got like juxtaposition going on but we do we're sort of bookended yeah yeah i mean you have been working bloody hard behind the scenes and as you and I know we've got a bit of a a mandatory registered time off coming up but uh yeah I can imagine why you're exhausted why are you feeling exhausted look this isn't a podcast about me (laughs) (laughs) you know I think and you know as well you know I see the way that you work and what you have to go through and I have conversations with people um, especially this week, veterans, we see people at the Royal Commission and all of all sorts of things. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are feeling the same. And so I think yeah. it's, a, it's a good time. What I like about this question is that we often don't allow ourselves to ask ourselves how we're going, like what's actually going on. And yeah. I didn't know how exhausted I was until someone asked me that question. And I was like, oh, that's how I'm feeling. So, you know, I think it's just from yeah. what a lot of people can relate to is that it's been a constant year on us mentally, physically, emotionally, all the things. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important for those listening to note that, you know, Sam is the one who's behind the scenes, uh, who gets to see all the emails sent to the different hello addresses, uh, works within VSF and, uh, you know, really gets to see that um, back end messaging and everything that goes on there. So if there's anyone who sort of knows uh, exactly what's going on in my life as well as many other things it's definitely you get to really be beside me in, in experiencing all these uh, interesting times but uh, worthy um, worthy lessons learned and worthy, worthy experiences yeah and surprise I'm a woman <laughs> <Not> <laughs> all of the people I've spoken to this week I'm like oh I thought you were a man mm. yeah everyone, 
Sam, short for Samantha, everyone thinks, oh, I thought Sam was a man. No, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Love it. It's okay. Um, so I thought we should just dive into Ready. a bit of a transparent, open conversation that I think that you do best around huh. what's been live in, in our space at the moment and what people have been commenting, calling you about, emailing us about, um, mm-hmm. and then broadcasting about. And having a little bit of a debunk podcast today where we just, um, without being filtered, without being um, taking a 30-second clip of what you've said and plastered it all over something else that is totally out of context, without doing all of those things, we can just have yeah. conversation on your podcast because you're allowed. So what yeah. I've done is I've um, printed these lovely articles that we found in the paper review this weekend. Um, oh, and I've gone through them and highlighted some key things that I wanted to draw out today okay and ask some questions so that we can just discuss it a little bit more yeah I think it's really important to start with that to realize you know all throughout this year you and I've had this conversation a hundred times where it's so easy to feel that the media is your friend or people in the media are your friends and some definitely have proven to be uh, I would call them friends but at the end of the day most of them are trying to provide a story and I love when Denzel Washington um, has that conversation with that reporter at the front of whatever awards thing he's doing. And it's like, well, your job is to be first. And too often that being first is uh, foregoing actually being accurate. And, uh, you know, you've seen it. You've been contacted by reporters. I'm like, oh, we're actually waiting on this. It's like, cool, our timeline's this. So can we just write this instead? It's fascinating to see how that, you know, news just stands for the plural of new, in my opinion. Now it's new information doesn't necessarily mean it's accurate, but Having said that, there are those who have really put in that diligence. And the only way that we've been able to now realise, as opposed to being at the mercy of a five-second grab here or a pre-recorded thing here, is to either go on live or is to control your own messaging. And you would remember, you were there right from the start, Voice of a Veteran, part of the uh, reasons why I started up Voice of a Veteran was literally to start talking about ourselves because I was sick of others talking about us, talking about veteran issues. And uh, that's the whole thing. If you allow and wait for others to rally to your rescue, to talk on your behalf, um, you're too often going to be left disappointed. And it's just so important to do whatever you can to do what needs to be done to to take control and to um, obviously do it for the right reasons. Yeah, and I think we're seeing this in so many different landscapes right now in terms of media and their messaging and I find it very fascinating that in the same breath, they can be talking about the support to mental health um, and all these good things that they want to do to help people, um, to help people's health in health crises, to do these certain things. Yet um, there's a very lack of integrity behind what they're actually doing in order to do that. So I just find that piece fascinating. And only since in the last year and a half of us doing what we've been doing, have I been opened up to the the truth of that. Yeah, particularly... That's such a key point, that lack of integrity, that creates this um, lack of trust and that creates all these things that just categorises uncertainty. And wherever there's uncertainty, there's like frustration or other emotions that aren't positive. And you're definitely detracting from any other mental health or health conscious wellness messaging you want to do if you're just the foundations per everything. And this is all even the political stuff we've been talking about. If there's no foundation of trust, and anything you build upon that is built upon at least one layer of uncertainty. Um, and until you remove that and reestablish and re-cement that trust, you know, you're not going to be able to build as high as you think. 
Yeah. And then, you know, you had some epic people like Ben Fordham, 2GB and Steve Price from Australia Today and, um, you know, Sky News have always been a great supporter of this thing that's going on. So let's start there for people who may be listening to this for the first time, like what has kind of kind of taken off right now for the media, specifically ABC to to start this. I mean, as you know, like October last year, um, it came to air on the anniversary of Scott's death. Um, there was the ABC's Marine heard a pop story where a, an, a, a US Marine who used the pseudonym Josh, um, showing his face but wouldn't give his name, um, said that in 2012 on a mission, he heard uh, us call in for six, uh, call in for extraction and say that we had six detainees and uh, were then told that there was only room. Uh, so we had seven detainees, was told there was only room for six. And then he said he heard a pop on the radio. Uh, and then we radioed back apparently and said that we have six. And, and he then in 2020, when apparently approached by the ABC, um, said that he knew right away that meant we had um, killed that person and committed a war crime. And there's just so many issues with that because he wasn't even um, there on the ground. He didn't see it. He heard on the radio. He was flying in a helicopter that didn't even carry passengers. It was a, a support, um, uh, aerial fire support helicopter thousands of feet away. And since that time, you know, the Brereton report itself and all that media debacle came out in November. And myself and most of the guys from November soon fully thought that now that the Office of the Special Investigator was stood up, the Brereton report was out. Because this was before the Brereton report, which was just unheard of that this story would be addressed and um, it didn't. And then we, as we approached the anniversary of Scotty's um, death this October and this story still hadn't been um, addressed uh, and you came with me and we went to Mark Willis's um, book launch thing here at um, West End and it stayed to the very end and in a very civil way with you right there and with his undercover security guard wearing his suit and his terrible muddy G-Shock watch um, had a conversation where I just asked him um, about this story and when it would be reviewed. And I mean, you were there, Sam. Uh, I raised the points where he said, you know, in one sentence, he said, we just watched them crash tackle and hog tie. And I asked Mark and I said, mate, per your book that you've just written, you obviously know at least a bit about the tactics here. So this was a nighttime mission at Helmand. This guy couldn't have possibly seen that. And he, and what did he say, Sam? He said, oh, I... I don't think we were talking about that one. Yeah, it was from a different, that was from a different mission, you know, and yeah. I was like, well, that's not the way it's written. He's like, oh, you know, and I asked him, you know, great. So when is this story going to be revised? He's like, oh, you know, if you want to have a, a talk about it, here's my card. It's like, no, mate, like you guys need to go back and revise this. And Firstly, though, if, within yeah. that, he also stated he doesn't, he didn't realise you were the platoon commander, even though you came out on the project straight after that was aired last year to say so and it's been all over media so there was he danced around that question um he also brushed off any kind of directness that you had me saying oh maybe something else or you know i I don't know what you know and it it felt very like like hang on what's going on here it was defending defending a story as opposed to being open to you know listening from someone who was there on the ground and as you know like I didn't get combated with him there. It was an open conversation. And this is before we write, yeah, wrote was. the open lever and, and got into it. And, you know, during his book launch thing, you heard him scoff and laugh and saying how he brought up the petition, you know, we um, launched trying to retain the unit citations. And, you know, he laughed with his group of supporters saying, you know, how typically Australian is that, that they're more worried about their awards. And that's, you heard me say to him afterwards, I was like, Mark, 
That petition was about those 20 special forces personnel who died, who were killed in action, who died overseas, uh, and to retain it for their families. There wouldn't be one of us a living who wouldn't happily hand that back in, but you can't take it from them. And you remember, he's like, oh, no, that's okay. I was like, yeah, well, you just need to be, you know, you have this responsibility to report the accurate information. I've just told you that. So I hope you can go back to your next book launch and, and do the same. But yeah, it was very fascinating, you know, just, body language and how we engage with him. You also heard me bring up, you know, when is the ABC going to write about um, what our special operations task force did in um, Iraq? You know, 2014, 2018, after all this Afghanistan story, we went over there and we defeated Daesh. We defeated ISIS. We helped liberate Mosul. We saved people from some of the most disgusting, barbaric, evil um, people, evil enemy I've ever seen. You know, you've heard me say that modern day manifestation of evil on earth. ISIS, ISIL, Daesh, whatever you want to call them, that was them over there. And for nearly four years, we had commandos and other special operations elements deployed against that. And immediately he just spoke about, oh, you know, I went to Iraq, you know, I think he said 2005, 2007. But, you know, most people don't realize, you know, we've been to Iraq three times. <laughs> I wasn't talking about the liberation of Saddam. Um, I wasn't talking about the first Gulf War. I was talking about when we deployed our forces um, 2014 through to 2018. But again, there was, there was no open-mindedness. There was no, you know, um, yeah, it would be great. You know, it's more like, you know, you know, I wasn't there. I'm not interested in it. This is the Afghan story, et cetera. So it was fascinating for me, you know, my career, whole career <laughs> has been to focus on how people say what they say. And it was that conversation that helped me realize that uh, there was not going to be any objectivity to it. So that's where I just went back and had a chat with the lads and started writing that open letter and, as you've seen, that's opened up this bloody Pandora's box worth of um, line by line, just demonstrating the exact facts as to how that story is impossible, letting alone improbable. And then as a part of that, um, also asked why they hadn't engaged with defense because all of our uh, radio recordings were recorded, all of our mission sets were recorded and then have to be kept on official archives. And that led them to um, making a, their you know, fatal error where they put in their Freedom of Information request, and they requested the dates between the 1st of June to the 31st of July, 2012. And as I've even showed you my deployment records, I didn't deploy until the 12th of July. The rest of my platoon followed me over. I went with a small advance team. They followed over on the 19th of July. We then conducted build-up training and taking over from the other company. And we were um, certified as FOC, full operational or fully operational capable. Um, as of uh, the 1st of August. And that was during the middle of Ramadan. So our partner force weren't allowed to eat during or drink during daylight hours per their um, practicing of the Islamic faith. So we did little day jobs and Helmand Province is like an overnight mission job. And my platoon didn't do their first mission into Helmand until the 12th of September. So as soon as I did that, you know, you could just see that that was the final straw and we went out hard um, campaigning for it. And uh, including now putting a petition, petition number, what is it, EN3637, on the um, Australian Parliament House website. You're allowed to apply for a petition. And we just simply asked for an independent review into the ABC conduct of this article. Um, ben Fordham has been absolutely amazing. He has been smashing it home because he has sat there and he has watched and gone through and read all of the facts from both sides. And um, so many other journalists have reached out to me who unfortunately don't have such control of their platforms to be able to speak out. 
but I've just said, you know, they've been in the industry for one, two, three decades and cannot believe how this story was allowed to come to surface. And, uh, you know, it's definitely got a bit personal, particularly with what the ABC has done over the weekend. But as you know, Sam, this is, this has been symbolic of so many things um, for myself, I guess. First and foremost, it's supporting my guys. Like, You've heard me say it a hundred times. I said it at the Royal Commission this last week. The first thing I'd love to change in the leadership curriculum in Defence Force is the, the mindset that leadership, you know, begins and ends with service. Like leadership flows throughout your time in military and outside of military. And I wish that I had realised that when I was in and people left my platoon, people left to left the military to become civilians because every single person in the Defence Force is accounted for given our chain of command. And every single person is responsible to someone and everyone is responsible for someone somewhere along the line. And if I had to maintain contact with my guys and if all of my peers and other officers and NCOs had to maintain contact with their guys and girls, then you know people would be accounted for. And what so many veterans experience on the outside is that sense of abandonment or that loss of connection. And everyone at least would have that connection uh, still there. But for me, it's, you know, that time... 2012 in particular was the best version of the um, you know combat tactical uh, with my platoon Heston Russell and uh, my guys my team really put a lot of trust in me and I did the same to them and there's a bond that is forged there that and that isn't about a cone of silence that isn't about anything other than just a mutual respect for each other's humanity for each other's professionalism for each other's attitude and character and that you know that mateship that is actually like loving those people you're with in like the biggest bromance type of way and uh you know then when my guys are attacked and i know that it's unfounded that it's false like you know as you've heard me say i was bullied as a kid i know what it's like to feel helpless and defenseless like you can attack me all day but you cannot attack those that i'm responsible for or those that i love without just cause i'm all for accountability but you know, the worst thing you can ever do is provide me with that huge layer of proactive resilience by attacking those that I'm responsible for and particularly those who are innocent. Um, so, you know, we embarked upon, upon that. And, uh, you know, and there's also been at the same time, this just huge narrative whereby, you know, the Burton Report had um, 39 allegations, uh, murdering 25 people. I might have the statistics wrong. I haven't reviewed them in a while. But, you know, that was the single measuring stick that has been used uh, to categorise or summarise our entire Special Operations Task Group in the over 20 years um, that we deployed to the Middle East. Um, you know, and again, I'm not even bringing into, you know, the subsequent four years that we deployed to Iraq. And again, you heard me say to the Royal Commission, the fact that the Australian public and, vet and uh, our families were left to ask the question of, was it worth it in Afghanistan when Kabul fell earlier this year? It was the biggest strategic failing our entire country um, and all of our politicians and those in those positions um, have have to be responsible for and we did it in vietnam as well we didn't adequately inform the australian public what our servicemen and women did over there we haven't adequately adequately delineated the conversation from the strategic responsibilities that have led to the taliban now being controlled and the operational and tactical excellence uh, and achievements that happened on the ground we have this perpetuation of measuring results by um as again as i said in the senate courtyard uh, press conference last december measuring things by body counts, measuring things by um, the amount of people who died overseas and we sent back to be buried, measuring people by the amount of Victoria Crosses we won over there. Um, 
you know, again, we've spent, I have spent more time speaking about a fictitious marine herd of pop story than I have talk, talking about any of the 67 missions that my guys flew outside the wire and demonstrated the most amazing courage, character, competence that is everything I want to still fight here for today because I saw it. It was real and we need so much more of that today. But no one cares about that because it's not controversy, because it's not headline worthy. Uh, and you could just imagine, you know, my guys who would love to weigh into this fight, but they're left with this indifference. They're left with this attitude of going, you know, well, if no one cares about all the good things we did, they want to focus on this one bad thing. Um, you know, we never ask them to focus on it. But if you're going to do that, like it's, it's not fair. And why would I bother exposing my family, bother exposing anyone that I love or my career or who I am today to any criticism from people who are reading headlines, sitting behind computers, typing on keyboards and don't have any perspective. You know, people who are commentating on the um, contribution that my guys and myself made over there. And it's, I love it at the moment, everything in the digital landscape in particular is coming down to content, content, content. We said that before about the news and content comes from two places. It comes from those who actually contribute and it comes from those who are commentating on it. And the saddest part is uh, when those that just simply commentate and don't actually contribute to um, progressing or protecting or doing anything that's purpose-driven other than you know, looking to perpetuate this toxic comparison that you've heard me talk about a hundred times or this toxic competition or just this tall poppy cutting syndrome. It's really just such a, a very negative space. And as you've seen, Sam, that's come to a head as everyone has seen. <laughs> that has really come to a head this weekend when it's got personal. We've gotten so close and had so much attention that all of a sudden, you know, they managed to dig up something from my past that was there in my past. But then as you've seen, filled with further unfacts and filled with agendas from a, a toxic relationship that I love because you've got to again see all those emails and everything else spot you've got to see their engagement on social media you've got to see the trolling on social media behind the scenes um, but again you know we we sit here and we take the higher ground because this is all a distraction from what is the true and authentic purpose and it's so easy to get weighed down by this but at the same time it's definitely definitely not enjoyable every day no. And also, look, it's just like, it's not fair, you know, like if they were to report on what, like, that's a really good perspective of you saying, you know, reporting on every other mission that you did and the character that you showed and the leadership that you showed and the team that you guys were over there and what you did. Yeah. If they were to weigh that up against this character swipe that they're having about you now, like it would be irrelevant. So. I keep coming back to this, like, how, what, how is this, how is this relevant right now? It's incredible. You know, everyone loves to sit back here and watch amazing war movies and all this good stuff. And like, there are, there are hundreds of guys out there, particularly from the special forces who live that nearly every single day and could sit here and tell you amazing stories. But now the conversations got to such a toxic level um, and that they don't want to have those conversations. And as we know, particularly from the Vietnam era guys, that's the worst place to be in for their own personal health, but also, like for the value of our country, there were these amazing stories of human spirit, triumph, mateship, courage, everything else that people love to, again, go and pay and download or see a movie. And, uh, and there are living, breathing, walking among us veterans that, uh, again, these guys inspired me seeing their actions, but otherwise, you know, couldn't be bothered being associated with it anymore because um, the narrative's just gone beyond 
um, a point of objectiveness, let alone the inspiration it could be. Yeah, I'm going to go more into the ABC article, but you mentioned a few times you've lived a you've lived a full life. Yeah, but this what, is it. What does that I mean, mean for you? Well, you know, when I was at the Royal Commission on last Friday, I tried to speak from the Veterans Support Force side of the house. But as you know, Sam, I'm still completing my personal submission to the Royal Commission. And my transition from the military is kind of exactly um, the blueprint for what not to do. And hence why when I started speaking out about Voice of a Veteran, and as you know, we've traveled around and spoken with so many young veterans who are just like, yep, did exactly the same. Um, putting aside all of the incredible issues, delays, and even um, what I believe are deceptive um, actions of DVA and members within the, the Department of Veterans Affairs. Just the whole social piece, you know, um, I fully transitioned out of the military into, uh, you know, finally um, accepting myself to be gay and being publicly open in a relationship with Blake and bringing Barry's over here and um, living in Sydney, living in Sydney's King's Cross of all places and realising um, you know, what life like on the out, life on the outside was. And, uh, you know, I really let go and pushed away my entire military career because it was just something that wasn't easy to connect with people on because I'd kept it quiet as we had to do with our unique nature of special forces service. I never engaged with my local community. I was always away on deployments or living in the US and all that. <clears throat> so I threw myself into, you know, the Sydney party scene. You know, I took recreational drugs. I did the gay world is like so full of great parties, um, you know, recreational drugs, drinking, you know, this very beautiful life that is great for living in the moment, but deep down can be very quickly, very superficial. But, you know, I, um, I was fit, I was attractive. I could actually have some deeper conversations. I found myself for a long time, uh, for, a, for the first time in a long time, you know, readily making new friends and being like desired to come over to like people's, uh, you know, gatherings or, you know, going out and having fun and actually getting to live myself out in the open that I would otherwise, you know, previously, you know, stop my foot from tapping if I heard like a, <laughs> a RuPaul beat coming on or something like that. So I lost myself. I literally got infatuated with living in the moment. I got infatuated with feeling happy and, um, it was incredible, you know, I had an amazing purpose, which was building barriers and bringing it to Australia and Singapore and, you know, traveling around and recruiting people and solving problems and realizing that I actually had all of this business acumen without qualifications that I gained from lived experience in the military. It just wasn't defined by, you know, the resume that pretty much said I was good to be a security supervisor when I left the military. But um, what I did was I started to, as we do best, transition myself and adopt those values that I saw around me as opposed to those values that were within me and those values that were trained into me. And uh, I went from being responsible to being entitled. I went from being selfless to being selfish. You know, I really started to enjoy the money I was making. I started to enjoy, you know, the, a bit of the glitz and glamour we were getting, you know, Blake and I definitely got a, a lot of attention socially and it was a really, really unique time. But at the same time, it was unhealthy, you know, from partying, drinking, um, you know, taking recreational drugs, um, staying up late at night, partying through to just, you know, the way in which I was working myself to the bone, doing a lot of the work that I was doing. It just wasn't, um, 
it wasn't me. And then there became that point where uh, uh, my defense life came back to me like a, a freight train. Uh, when I first got called in to uh, see the Burton team, and then the second time I got called in to see the Burton team, um, they're the only times that I ever actually, I got ripped out of my live in the moment, happy, carefree life. And uh, I got taken through, um, you know, nearly every single mission that I'd ever done. And I had to look at things I never thought I'd have to see again. And um, I wasn't ready for it. I literally remember coming out of uh, the first time I had that meeting and I um, was walking around the streets of Sydney afterwards in like this daze. And it was just the most surreal thing because I think I'd been out that weekend beforehand or something. And uh, it was so random just the juxtaposition as we say of you know all my life come crashing down I remember that night going back to Blake and just saying you know um, there's some really real world stuff going on um, stuff that uh, you know I never thought I would have to have these conversations with you about but um, you know and I had to I sat to sit there and tell him I had to tell him you know that I've actually been overseas and I've killed people um, legally I had to tell him, you know, a bit more of the details about, you know, how I lost Scott. I had to tell him a lot of these details that I, um, you know, really didn't want to. Uh, I actually wanted to, to move on and, and bury them. And anyway, not that that's the healthiest thing to do either, but it was just such a different time for me. And I mean, long story short, as it all goes, um, Blake's and my relationship broke down. And when we ended up actually breaking up, was in the US with his family and arrived back to uh, Australia just as COVID hit and went into two weeks of lockdown together after just breaking up. Um, by this time I was working <clears throat> within Swiss 8. Uh, I was I literally just started working within Swiss 8 and the position that I was allocated was being funded by an RSL group who as soon as COVID hit said that they had to cut quote non-essential spending end quote and um, therefore my position wouldn't be funded into the future. And um, like not a lot of people know, you know, Blake sort of moved on very quickly and I was sort of left there at the loneliest point I'd ever been. Um, we couldn't afford the rent uh, and I engaged within that great, you know, um, you can't, the Prime Minister said, if you, you can't be evicted, uh, you know, you need to negotiate, negotiate rent relief. And my landlord was just terrible. And even a month later after Blake, uh, went back to the US and that's the last I ever saw of him. It was myself and Copper there trying to negotiate, you know, how we're going to <clears throat> um, negotiate this rent relief uh, with the landlord saying no. So we ended up moving out of there and moving it back into the old apartment, having to stop the people who are renting there, renting it. And um, I'm sorry, I don't know how anyone could say no to Copper, but carry on. <laughs> that, and even that, you know, they were threatening to evict me because they said that I wasn't approved to have copper there but the the landlord when I went and had the interview had like two or three dash hounds and said it's okay we just won't tell the owner like all these things just came up to bite me in the ass for not doing things properly and then um, you know I was working within that charity organization and uh, I really got to they put me in a position which was you know basically looking to raise money and engage with partnerships and you know it was, it was great it was a great title chief partnerships and strategy officer but you know it came down to engaging with people to seek sponsorship and as you know sam i'm terrible at asking people for money i my headset does not work when i am chasing people for profit 
And uh, that is this byproduct looking back of working within basically such a giant not-for-profit organization that the Defence Force is. I'm all about focusing on purpose and results and people. And, uh, you know, I did great. Um, I did okay engaging with some media, you know. Copper's, Copper's best uh, puppy friend, Orson, his dad was a Channel 7 reporter and um, he got us out that first story. And then, um, you know, I came across the great idea uh, to open up my OnlyFans account <laughs> because I had so, so many people reaching how, out to me. Like, saying, is that how it came about? I'm actually, this is one of my questions. So like, oh, yeah. what, what was, I know that what I know about you is that you're yeah. an incredible problem solver and you're also a, an incredible ideas man. So you'll go to the gym and come back with 10 new ideas that we need to filter <laughs> through and work out which one we're going to implement today and the rest can wait yeah, till yeah. next week. So like, I know that you're an, an ideas man for a purpose. So is that how this came about or how did this, how did this come about? Well, I actually really took to my, when that, when that RSL group um, removed their funding for our position, I actually took to my social media and gave them a good bashing because I found it so disgusting particularly the message I got that said we had to cut non-essential funding um you know and that was just such a terrible narrative they'd literally previously taken me in there to meet with the mayor of that location and meet with the um, state member you know and played uh, the violin as I spoke about you know mental health and the veteran suicide crisis and all this sort of business and uh you know the very next week it was cut so I took to social media and gave them a bashing uh, and then I looked at uh then i had a lot of people like reach out to me <laughs> sort of with ideas saying you know um because i basically had to try and find money to fund my position that was kind of the the conversation i had with adrian the swiss aid team um verbally probably not in an email if someone wants to go dig back through it but uh and then someone said hey man you should start up your own only fans account and you know and i've always received lots of uh provocative interesting messages from people on um Instagram. A lot of people don't appreciate that the gay culture is very, um, uh, very body positive, very, uh, you know, the sending of a, of a dick pic in the gay community. That's like a postcard. Uh, most too many people. I'm sorry, um, we don't even have to limit it to the gay community. Like I oh, really? remember walking, walking the streets of New York, getting airdropped a dick pic, like airdrop means they're, they're right there, right? Like this isn't just the gay community. So I just want to make that clear. I know it's oh, okay. more like a postcode card, but like there is definitely non-consented stuff that goes on in every world, yeah. I think. I think it's probably very different just, well, there you go. You mean, I, I never actually had that experience during my straight days. So, but again, I wasn't active on social media. I wasn't any of that. So you're right. I didn't even probably fully realize that, which is hilarious. But uh, I think particularly it's very different, particularly when you have these conversations about consent and non-consent. I think in the gay community, because, you know, you're, um, you know, both men or whoever else is in the conversation, usually men, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's like for like. So even if you didn't ask for it, you're not like, oh, what is that? You're just like, Meh, whatever, because, you know, it's already a part of your anatomy by association or I don't know, I'm not explaining that well, but I'm pretty sure you get it. You know, I would I would never really consider it in the gay community to be like, oh, he sent me something. I just like delete it. Um, having said that, I don't know if other people are, are, are bullied in that way and I don't want to undermine any of that, but you never think any of it. And I would always just get, you know, crazy stuff in my inbox and, you know, people would just, uh, putting the most thirstiest comments on you know my instagram used to be a lot more uh superficiality my instagram used to be me in a speedo or me working out my instagram was a fantastic 
release for me to receive public affirmation. Um, because as you know, Sam, I've struggled with um, I've struggled with my body. I've struggled with body dysmorphia. I've struggled with um, an eating disorder for so long. And particularly when I broke up with Blake, um, a lot of those things sort of came back to me. Um, all of this is, as you know, Sam, all of this is actually within a book that I wrote like six months ago. Oh, and as of three months only, ago, like if only. I know. For those listening who don't realise, uh, I was approached middle of this year to be asked to write a book, particularly talking about just my life in service. And um, I finished that book about three months ago, working with a guy to help me write it. And it's currently, as this podcast is on the 7th of December, it's already been through Army Headquarters and Special Operation Headquarters for them to do their review. Uh, and OnlyFans and eating disorder and recreational drugs and you know breakup and all that are all in there. And the funniest part is, so as a part of the um, editing process, Sam has helped me, you know, rewrite it a few times. My mum's read these segments, all these segments that have had these very personal things I've already taken to my family and had those conversations. So it's so hilarious to see this stuff coming out. And I'm just going, oh, well, here it is right now in a very public way. But that's what this is about. You know, I can't change any of that. And that 2020 was the worst year for me. You know, I broke up with Blake. Um, I had all my insecurities rushed back. I decided to try and chase profit by, you know, basically harnessing all of the thirsty attention I got and put it into something that would, you know, achieve revenue. And it did. And, you know, the first month, you know, I think it was a few thousand dollars. And then, you know, people can tip on that and all this. And, um, you know, I had the purpose to really try and be successful in this new job that I had um, that had no funding for my position. Well, at the same time, there was a personal level that uh, we're still dealing with rejection and the breakup and body issues and all this. And, you and know, also, what, when was the timing of the Brereton inquiry stuff? Because obviously that then has brought up stuff that you were maybe burying and also launched a bit of the PTSD and things like that. I don't know if that's the same timing, but was that in there? No, so the, the, the whole, um, well, I mean, this is it, like, and I, I hate, I actually really, it's so funny. I get so self-conscious even bringing mental health into this because as is now publicized, you know, I have PTSD. I had anxiety and depression. I had all of this undiagnosed last year. And, um, you know, a lot of my psychologist thinks that those conversations with the Brereton team in 2019 helped bring on a lot of those dreams and thoughts. And yeah, there's a lot of things going on, but I think, it's more so fascinating for me to realize how emotional that period post breakup, COVID, employment, you know, worrying about accommodation, looking after copper, all this. Just, I remember my emotions just being so unstable. Like, as in the smallest thing would make, would bring me to tears. The smallest thing would, you know, make it feel like I was going to have a panic attack. I remember like going into my room and, you know, I have never done box breathing or rhythm breathing so much in my life and I thank goodness I, I learned that way back in my, my special forces training days but I just remember how very easily emotionally triggered I was and as opposed to being you know angry it was just this feeling of being overwhelmed feeling of just being like hopeless or helpless and that really got perpetuated even further when concurrently I was you know engaging with DVA to try and get my knee recognized to have this surgery that I needed and oh looking back you know I am so privileged to have lived through that because I have lived through a lot 
as far as you know physical danger you know um, and everything else to do with combat and military service but 2020 was the most incredible emotional conditioning and mental health struggle and experience for me and it's just being able to provide such huge perspective because even then I I didn't see a um, psychologist or psychiatrist until I think July and then had my suicidal ideation in August I refused to ever invest or in um, inquiring into any medication you know I would refuse to see a psychiatrist or you know accept any medication I'd lived in the US and seen people that have a pill for waking up, a pill for going to sleep, a pill for anything, everything. Um, but, you know, then come um, around November and December, after talking with both a psychologist and a psychiatrist, you know, I started taking uh, antidepressants. I started, you know, I got diagnosed with ADHD <laughs> and I actually took medication for it. And holy cow, um, the change that has occurred since around December last year through to 12 months today, has been absolutely incredible. And particularly, you know, I got given a huge purpose that helped me really focus. And that was when the ABC spoke out and labeled my platoon as war criminals with a Marine herd of pop. And then a few weeks later, uh, the Burton report was released and they wanted to remove honors and awards from everyone, including, you know, 20 fallen families and parents who called me to say some of those heart-wrenching stories that you heard. Um, and I was thrust back into purpose, but as you all know, Sam, a lot of that purpose, the, a lot of that affirmation for knowing if I was on the right track came from the media. It came from huge buzzes of media attention. And some of the hardest moments of earlier on in this year were when that affirmation and that reinforcement of being on the right path went away when the media went away. And there were some really low moments when um, you know, everything went quiet, but that's when Voice of a Veteran and all that picked up and it was re-engaging with the veteran community. It was getting out physically as COVID allowed us to and conducting some of those Veteran Connect sessions, re really engaging with people digitally and online. And, you know, we grew that online community so fast and I was able to then find, um, you know, through that community, find that identity, that I had kept substituting for purpose. I had kept investing as my purpose um, right the way through to where we're at now. So when on the weekend, you know, all these pictures of me and conversations about me holding my erect appendage, um, you know, are literally aired on TV for everyone, including my mother and my auntie and all this to contact me saying, how are you doing? Like, I'm finally at the place where I openly accept everything I am, everything that I've been, none of that defines me. Everything that defines me is what I do with it here and now and tomorrow moving forward. But I tell you what, it would not have come so easily without all of that and including the huge online trolling that you saw mm. got last year when yeah. you know people refused to listen to know that Voice of a Veteran was only ever going to be formed as a company. It was never going to be a charity. I didn't want to open a charity. Um, you know, I wanted to have the single risk of being a single director and to be able to wade into political conversations, campaign politicians and not breach any charitable conditions uh, that you're bound by. Um, mm. But instead, those within the veteran community, including those who are Swiss 8 members, um, took to social media to absolutely, you know, call me out and trying to tarnish my character. 
And then what's worse is when we started to campaign for the Royal Commission, you know, openly, um, and then particularly linking in with Julianne Finney, again, organisations like Swiss 8 who campaigned against the Royal Commission took to me with fire and brimstone and a lot of it wasn't, a lot of it was out in the open on social media, but also a lot of it was behind closed doors. You know, the messages and the, the meme pages that were sent up. And I mean, you saw some of those meme pages and it was, uh, that was probably one of the lowest moments in the middle of last year when all of that stuff came out and people were saying that, you know, Voice of a Veteran was a ripoff, is not even a charity without even going back and watching any of our podcasts who'd spoken about that months beforehand because that hurt past those layers of, resilience because they were targeting something that was literally the most authentic purpose I'd had in a long time. It was literally this self-funded um, organization uh, that then was able to draw contributions and sell a few things to raise money. But it was this vessel that was what I needed to reclaim my identity and to take action without feeling self-conscious in doing so. Um, but, you know, again, that was an amazing conditioning part. And if I hadn't been through that, I don't think I'd be able to have responded so well to what has now come out with this much larger online trolling, yeah. essentially. And it's almost like you knew because you needed Voice of a Veteran, the name Voice of a Veteran, to be your platform in order for it's just you. It's just Tessa and Russell, right? Like this is just yeah. you, but you needed that in order to step out there because everyone knows when you're actually contributing not commentating when you're actually out there in the open when you're actually not sitting on the sidelines and you're the one that's on the screen and campaigning and you're you're going and going and going and you're putting yourself out there it is for some reason human nature to bring people down who are doing things that perhaps we want to do or whatever their prerogative is we want to bring yeah. people down so it's almost like instinctually you knew that you needed to have voice of a veteran in order for you to do that um, I can relate in my past, I needed something that was, that I could hide behind essentially yeah. so that you didn't, it, you know, it's vulnerable to do that. Um, well, everyone, everyone needs a label, you know, everything from, you know, every media interview we deal with through to people who've come out trying to, you know, be a manager or have me associated with brands or do whatever. They come like, so, you know, what, what do we call you? It's like, you know, are you this? Are you this is like like Heston Russell is a good start, <laughs> but everyone needs to have some form of a definition or some form of a box that they try and put yeah. you into, and which uh, then like is is for that credibility piece, right? And this is another well, whole layer of like understanding this, even since what we've been doing and the people we connect with and seeing other friends and stuff do what they do. And all of a sudden you have these big companies with well, so-called big companies with these big labels and the titles and they're this chief and this thing and doing this. Yeah. And yet they, you know, their actions or their characteristics aren't what you would kind of create the expectation of them to be based on the title. So labels to me mean, virtually nothing like I'm like yeah. prove it to me <laughs> well I think and I've always had that perpetuation and it derives from a time in the military where you know rank and position um are proper you know direct definitions you know if someone's a major it means that they've done this this and this like you actually know what goes into doing that that doesn't necessarily mean that they are that good at their job but you at least know that they've gone through the training to get a commission they've got done at least this many time in service you see what core they are if they're a, an OC or if they're a CSM, a company sergeant major, you know, that's quite a respected position and you know that they've come through at least these layers of experience. But, you know, on the outside, everything's like defined by translate. the, the, the yeah. placard on your desk. People love, you know, those signature blocks. You know, even when we're doing Voice of the Veteran and all that, you know, people, you know, founder, managing director, CEO, it's like, 
it, it's just a lot, you know, special forces yeah, commander, special yeah. forces commando, SAS officer, you know, the SAS. fact that <laughs> people get so mad when the media still calls me an SAS officer. I'm like, the, the key part should be like, how does the media still not understand the difference between commando and SAS? Again, yeah. because we haven't educated and I can spend 30 seconds correcting them out of a two minute interview, or I can yeah. just crack on and uh, allow the haters to come back out again. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so something that I pulled out in the article that, um, you know, fair enough that people want to have their perspectives and their um, opinions and stuff. I get that. Like we're humans, right? Everyone has yeah. an opinion about everything these days and your truth is as good as my truth and they're different and that's okay. However, <laughs> what I just found fascinating, what I'm probably not okay with is, is Adrian from Adrian from Swiss Ape. He's, he's creating an opinion that is essentially trying to undermine your political stance, what you're doing currently, basing your characteristics and traits off something that maybe was 18 months ago, off your character 18 months ago. And they're reporting on it now like it's the truth. So he says, Hester Russell, in my mind, does not hold or does not understand the values that are unique and positive to Australians. I personally don't think Heston Russell should be allowed to be a leader in this country. No. So my thoughts, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Just hear me out for a second. First one is that was close to 18 months ago. So you're essentially making these allegations on somebody who you've literally sat there on the sideline and watched be part of the veteran community and actually take action to create the change. And you're basing your this opinion off the man that you knew 18 months ago that you were essentially a part of creating because we all know that we're the average of the five people we spend the time around most. And if we all also know that a lot of our character comes from the culture we're in, in our workplace and stuff. So if that's who he's judging you on, then I would say he needs to take a responsi- responsibility for being actually part of shaping you. I'm not saying it's fault entirely, but he was part of that. And thirdly, I thought it would only be fair to go through what's current. So I looked at your Instagram in the last four posts that you have posted. So this, mm. is, this is current, not 18 months ago. This is current on your character. And here's what five random people said about you. Oh, God. <laughs> in, the last, in, the last, in the last four days. I'm voting for your party. Your honesty is refreshing. Journalism has sunk to very low standards. And ABC is an example of that. Full support, buddy. Honesty and leadership is a rare commodity in today's world. You are a courageous young man. We stand, you stand strong and tall in your integrity. We need you in our political future because there aren't too many people prepared to be as honest and transparent as you. Anyone who has seen or heard any of your podcasts know that you show accountability for yourself, your own mistakes, and you're authentic. You're a class act, Heston. You're a role model and a great Australian. Well, for... For the fear of this turning into a self-gratifying uh, um, <laughs> podcast, I mean, that's all, all lovely stuff, Sam, you know, and it's funny. Like, this is why I'm telling the story because I know that yeah. you would be humble about this. But my well, point straight is, away I get defensive because people hear this, they'll be like, oh, you know, they're just sitting there churching this up and doing that. This and is like, me well, doing this. Blame me, whatever. But my point is they can go and what they can go to any of your platforms and see this for themselves. I can yeah. see, I can go through hundreds of testimonials that you've had in the last year and this is important because you've people have written to us saying I wanted to commit suicide today because I heard something that you did I didn't and so we can't under this is important stuff 
you know, yeah. like this, uh, taking out Adrian and, and Swiss eight and make, and not making it personal. Like yeah. if everyone's here to do their job of mental, mental health, um, suicide prevention, standing up for what is right, acting with accountability, leadership, and integrity, then we yeah. have that much evidence around you that you have acted in that way. So for them to go back 18 months and judge poorly on your character and, and have that reflect what you're trying to do here and now, like yeah. that to me speaks volumes for their character, not yours. No, that's right. I mean, look, as we know, Sam, too much of this comes from this toxic comparison we keep talking about, you know, and, you know, I'd probably correct it. You know, they've, they've definitely been watching and, you know, it's a, it's a close community and they'll say it's been based on what they've seen happening this year. You know, they heard, you heard me, you heard them speak out and actually say that I was contributing to, um, impacting veterans mental health when I spoke out firmly to provide my opinion on the actual facts with regards to the collapse of Kabul and responsibilities and stop just all this positivity talking and I mean as you've seen even on one of our social media postings we had a we had a psychologist reach out and say hey um, I've been treating this patient with PTSD for a while and today he came in and said he heard you speaking on Sky News and you've actually helped him to feel like someone actually understood what was going on as opposed to all this positivity that's going out there yeah. and um, you know you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't and I've yeah. never ever wanted to trigger uh, anyone's um, mental health and it's a it's a difficult space particularly with the conversations we're having but you're right and for those listening you know Sam does an incredible job to just continuously send through so many of those testimonials that come through and so many of those messages she was positive and bad and to be honest they actually aren't really any bad unless someone's just having a, a personal comparative competition attack but so some of those vulnerable messages where people will literally say you know I was getting on a train and wanted to um, take my own life and uh, you know I listened to your podcast or I saw this or I heard you speak about that and um, you know I'm at home hugging my wife and hugging my daughter that's the that's the stuff that um, you know fills your tank up um, yeah. and the and reserve that's why tank it's as well right that's yeah, why it's important it to remember yeah. to talk about these things, to share these things, because, you know, we, it's exactly the same as you say, like when are the ABC going to report on the yeah. 67 missions that of whatever, I just made that up, made up that no, number. No, you, you got it on the bum. Oh, 67 yeah. missions. I've heard you say things that many times. Um, yeah. You know, of all of the good things that you did, but we hear about the thing that's going to make the headline. And I think this is a prime example of that. You know, like yeah. if in our communities, in the in the veteran community, in, you know, people that are doing good, we have this random thing where we just want to bring them down. So we'll pull out the stuff that they've they've done wrong, or not, you know, and forget about all of the things that they've, that they're doing to help. And I just think that needs to change. And even having yeah. this thing play out in the last you know, weekend, all of the comments that we get that I've, I get talking to people I know like, oh, well, you know, it's the political game, like you're in it now. And it's like, how is that okay that this is what we are just ex accepting? And I think what I really love about you, Heston, and what you're committed to doing is going, well, let's just change, let's, let's work out how to change that. And yeah. you put yourself on the line and your body mm. on the line in order to, <laughs> um, <laughs> In order to actually do that, you know, and I think this is where change occurs and it, it's a scary place that we're in right now, but it's also exciting because I see that people are actually shaking up some things that have been needing to be shook up for, for such a long time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, you know, Sam, so much of what I um, pride uh, or value comes down to this leadership piece and it's, you know, the, the secret to, to leadership comes down to just 
learning and accepting yourself. That's an emotional intelligence and, uh, you know, learning and understanding those around you. And, you know, it's a really difficult thing to be in this world and not worry about other people's opinions. Like I, I can't say that I don't worry about other people's opinions because I enjoy learning from other people's opinions to try and figure out how they might have interpreted something or seen something or believed something um, to arrive at that opinion. You know, that's that whole personal and professional development piece. But I know that, um, you know, those comments, uh, I also know, you know, like there's been bad blood between Adrian, myself and Swiss A. Um, you know, they lashed out when I started that voice of a veteran. And um, I believe it comes down to this toxic comparison. You know, we've achieved so much um, success uh, campaigning for veterans and media attention and all of those things that cause people to be um, competitive. And uh, now, you know, I don't, um, I don't know. I'd love to think that they wouldn't have been the ones engaging with ABC, given that we've been engaging with the ABC about this war crimes allegation. But I'm sure the ABC probably may have found them and provoked the situation. And I don't know if you know Adrian's comments are in context, but um, when it comes from a place of there already being issues, where there already being you know, uh, you know, personal issues, personal trauma, whatever it is it's not coming from a clear lens and it's coming from resentment and it's coming from spite and it's yeah. um you know for, for i guess i'm in the good position to know that you know you don't need to have to be allowed to lead you just lead or you don't um i'm probably never going to question whether i have like leadership skills i definitely know i have the skills um, i definitely have the experience um that's here now today that doesn't mean into the future but um yeah the it's it's more so just very revealing for individuals and organizations to be showing their true colors or to be showing at least some colors that are there that are coming out and particularly to be able to sit there knowing where it's come from um yeah. you know particularly as we're sitting here with after successfully campaigning for the royal commission after having these conversations about you know the issues that are within the veteran community and imagine what we could do if we were all working together and yeah. All that you can do is take stock. And in my opinion, as I've always said, some of the best lessons you learn in life are what not to do. But, you know, I definitely don't want to turn this into a, an us first them. It's uh, There are so many distractions going on at the moment that we could invest so much effort into suing that person for defamation or, you know, issuing a legal notice or money and time and effort. And it's like, look, you know, we know the, the road that's ahead and it's time to focus all effort, energy and resources towards keep doing that path and at the same time you know seek and accept responsibility and be accountable along the whole path like I'm not saying I've been a saint in this you know um, you know I had an OnlyFans account I did those photos I did those videos whatever else is out there um, as far as trying to say that I held on to the money like that's where you draw the line too far and that is just the manipulation of the truth and the best part is I have that evidence to provide them um, and I've done so. Uh, anyone wants to go to my YouTube, you'll see those videos. But again, this has been this um, this frying pan that the ABC has been heating up and is trying to throw as much things as they can to try and muddy the flavour uh, and wreck the recipe. But all they're doing is revealing how much of a um, you know how much of uh, very deceitful and very um, I want I'd be you careful what words I use, but. Uh, yeah, uh, less than yeah, trustworthy organisation they are. <laughs> yeah, and you know, there's a few things. Or individuals because... within that organisation are not the whole organisation. Yeah, Remember, and that's the same. Old people's with... home for four-year-olds. It's our great show. That's the same with everyone. Like it's it's yeah. you know it's not a generalisation. There's some, not all. 
um, yeah. in, in all things. But a same with Swiss A, you know, eggs. same a with Swiss A. I guarantee that they've done or are doing some great work in some capacity. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and then there's just some things that are not great from our experience, which, which is That's great, it. or your experience. We just, need, we just need to stop comparing and attacking each other and start yeah. focusing on our, own, on our own things. Most people out there are trying to do the best they can with what they have or what they know and where they think yeah. they can make a difference. And sometimes that overlaps. So we could be doing the same thing out there, but it's just in a different way because we're different people and people relate to different people, right? So how yeah. do you, how do you see, um, and this isn't just in the veteran community. I think this is like as a collective as a whole, how do you, mm. do you see an, a window of opportunity where people can start to collaborate or do you think segregation and this polarity that we constantly see is actually needed in order for us to continue yeah, to function? Good question. And in particular, you know, I'd be coming down to, you know, philosophical opinions on, um, you know, the reasons why people are suffering from mental health or how to get out of it, you know, from non-qualified positions. It's just a conversation that's always going to end in, you know, differences of, differences of opinion, um, different strokes for different folks. But you heard me say that at Brisbane ESO conference, ex-service organisation conference that we did uh, during the terms of reference consultation. And I also had previously approached the veteran space looking at all these different organisations that do the same thing and just being like, you know, what are you doing? Like, just all work together. And it's very important for them to do that. But then it's also realising that uh, having multiple people doing the same thing might not be a bad thing because particularly in the current climate, there are these trust issues and there are people who are unwilling to engage with one organization to receive that service or that support, but they'll go over here to someone else. And it might be the exact same thing, but changing the lens to be focusing on the output, which is service and support to the veteran or to the family member, you know, should be what all organizations are going, well, it's great that they are feeling comfortable enough to do that. You know, there's definitely some efficiencies to be had where one of the biggest issues that keeps coming out in all of the days of the Royal Commission is just how people don't know how many services they are, where to go to get these services. There's no centralised reference uh, website, anything for it. So that's part of the issue. But until you have that, you know, don't start focusing on the fact that there are too many because people don't know how many they are. And as long as the person's getting the support and it's actually, you know, the support is being achieved in the appropriate and the most effective way, then like, that's where we need to be. You know, we need to approach this from top down and bottom up as opposed to just going, oh, you know, we do that, blah, blah, blah. It's like, great. Well, these organisations wouldn't be around doing the same thing if people weren't coming to them for support. So work together and perhaps brigade your resources and provide even better, including lessons learned and all those good things. And what about collectively? Collectively? What do you mean? Sorry, I like, probably missed the question. I can't, like, No, you're right. Like I constantly see more kind of segregation and then working together collaboration yeah well this so is how do you how do we yeah this is the issue like it's i mean funding is the biggest thing most of these things come out of competition because everyone is trying to scrape together funding to do what they need to do most of it always starts from a very great and genuine place but when you are required to chase funding you know in order to survive, in order to, you know, particularly when you have such an emotional attachment to the stuff you're providing, knowing that if you had, you know, one-tenth of someone else's budget, you could help so many more people. Like, it's actually all coming from a good place, but within there becomes this corruptibility that, um, you know, takes away effort and energy and focus from, you know, delivering that output and, and maintaining that authentic purpose. So 
what is required, and you've heard me say this in the Royal Commission, there basically needs to be a lot more accountability reporting data on what is being provided in actual service delivery from to on the ground. So to veterans, to family members, from veterans, from family members. Within the veteran community space, most of these organisations only have to report to the Charitable Commission or don't all have to report to the, or the uh, Australian Tax Taxation Office to provide those sort of financial reviews or provide their own testimonials. You know, there's no one reporting back to a centralised peak body, governing body, regulating body, actually that's picking into the effectiveness of them providing support to the veteran community because there's so much going on and there's so much money going out there and there's just no one has the time and space, effort and energy to, to do that. So until you have that in place, there is going to be all of this duplication of effort. Um, but in order to bring about that collaboration, you know, the biggest thing that's needed in this space is leadership. And you know that, you've seen that time and time again. And particularly when everyone has been in the ex-service organization and veteran space since you know Vietnam era through to contemporary veterans and all these different tribes we put ourselves in, um, as opposed to having the ability to bring everyone together and delineate them into capabilities and into purpose and results. Um, that has to be held accountable through some form of legislation. Um, because unfortunately it's gone beyond the point for many of just being uh, morally or ethically accountable or whatever else they need to do so. Um, you know, you sort of, you know, definitely digging from the ground up, but there's no ceiling. You need to put that ceiling in there so you can dig up to that platform. Yeah. And then I think it's just appreciating um, other people's jam, like let them do their thing. You do your thing. Like let's Absolutely. concentrate on, on the, on the, on the purpose here, whether that's your own purpose or, or a collective purpose. And, um, you know, I think that will, I think there's healthy competition, but there's toxic comparison oh, that you talk well, about. You know, and so it's help. finding that. Yeah. Competition, collaboration. So, you know, when I talk about competition through collaboration, you're competing in order to provide a better output as opposed to competing in order to bring each other down. Um, you know, you're actually indirectly collaborating because you're being pushed beyond your standard performance to achieve a greater outcome. That's the sort of competition and collaboration we need. Not this, oh, you know, if we trip them on the start line, then we'll get a head start. Um, or, hey, they're coming up to our shoulder, quickly push them over, metaphorically, of course. Yeah, yeah. So in this article as well, they speak about um, after seeing politics take precedence over people is a is a quote from you is why you're, you've stepped up a political party. Mm. Um, do, is this, would you call this article and what's been going on an example of, of that? Absolutely. I mean, you've even got to see it, Sam. We have had some really great support from people in politics over this last year. And they are nowhere to be found at the moment. Uh, other ones have stepped up and been amazing, but it has been so revealing to see those who have gone completely quiet as soon as politics has entered into the, the foray. And, um, you know, it's been difficult for me to actually sit there and go, you know, have I undermined the potential true purpose in supporting my November guys, supporting what we're doing in the veteran space with veteran support force because I've entered into politics. And then you sit there going, well, why does that have to be the case? Because I can actually segment these things separately. But then you read this and articles like this who will take, you know, the actions of Heston Russell working for another organisation who was indeed a veteran through to, you know, now current organisation, now current political party, now future aspirations. I'm like, I mean, how many dots do you want to join or new lines do you want to draw? Um, like that's the part that's a little bit unfair. 
Um, you know, you want to grab something from back here, leapfrog everything else in between, and use that as the measuring stick for everything else further forward. Like that doesn't make sense because where you've grabbed that little datum point, there's a whole career before that. There's everything here and now. But the best thing is, as you've heard me, it's just to not get into that resting on laurels and previous comparison. It's no one cares about what you've done successfully. They care about what you've done negatively. Own it, move on. Um, if you sit there waiting for people to commend you on what you have done, you're going to be sitting there waiting a long time. That's unfortunately a, a majority, or at least the vocal majority of current Australian society. Again, I've had the the benefit of living over in the US and seeing just how different it really can be, you know, how much people can actually achieve celebrating each other. There are very different social issues uh, wherever you go, but <clears throat> it's so fascinating to see how you can understand the negativity, the toxicity, this competitive comparison that perpetuates in, like we're talking about the specific veteran community, because it's just everywhere uh, in our society, as opposed to championing and supporting each other, it's constantly, you know, and accepting our own vulnerability or accepting our lesser performance um, to others. It's this comparison and bring down of, you know, trying to pull people away from being on any form of pedestal that they might be perceived on. Has this deterred you in, in any way of the aspirations and like path you were on in terms of the political stuff? No, I mean, if anything, this is the stuff that just fires it so much more. You know, I never truly, you'll see me, we get, messages from people who are some of them are full-blown conspiracy theorists but so many people in particular are so jaded against uh, mainstream media are so jaded against so many of the things that are now being fully demonstrated in the public um, that I always try and look for the optimistic or the you know the benefit of the doubt and a lot of these things and just realizing how far gone this stuff is you know realizing that you can literally be bullied essentially by you know the taxpayer funded broadcasting corporation that you can have people you know trying to maliciously dig into your life to reveal things. You know, people come out and make statements that you have to afford more, or spend more than you can afford just to try and have the records straight, but it doesn't matter, it's already out there. You know, this saying that I love that, you know, our friend David told me that the cost of justice in this country is unaffordable. And knowing that you have to go through life basically living with a lawyer, being able to afford a lawyer in your pocket if you want to just be able to have things held accurate is incredible and again the little um, childhood fat Heston who remembers a bit what it was like being bullied but then also remember what, what it was like to be able to during my military career fly around the world and save and support those who are being bullied by some of the worst people on earth um, to protect people from terrorists to take the fight to insurgents to you know even those who were oppressing women those who wouldn't allow young girls to go to school all those good things you see you know, my first appointment was to East Timor and, you know, helping going and teaching at the local school every Thursday, teaching English and handing out crayons, and, you know, colouring books and just seeing the best that can be brought to humanity when you have some form of authority and responsibility that you can actually help people's lives and knowing what it felt like beforehand being helpless and then having the thought of imagine if someone else was in this position and not me. And that's been the whole thing, even speaking out events in the November platoon, Marine Herder Pop, fake story, being like, you know, it would be easier to let this go. But if I, in five, 10 or 20 years time, saw this happen to someone else or some other platoon, I wouldn't be able to live with myself knowing that we hadn't done everything we could right here and right now. And that has come from so many of those Vietnam veterans who watched the collapse of Kabul 
and said, you know, we wish we spoke up more with all of our stuff here and we wish we did this. And, um, you know, it's a terrible place to be in, like having regret. And I refuse to live my life with regret if it's come from me holding myself back uh, or allowing someone else to hold myself back for fear of, you know, anything that comes down to a personal equation. Um, you know, and even addressing, like, I will address bullying behavior. You know, I'm sure it won't be legally defined as bullying, but you've got to see a bit of it. Those emails that have been going on all week behind the scenes, you know, the, the no, uh, no caller ID numbers, you know, they're the, the ABC and those reporters are the only people calling from no caller ID numbers. Every other reporter and newspaper journalist and everything else like has my number and I've saved it and they pop up and, you know, I, I just know what this behavior is and I refuse to allow, you know, someone else to have, you know, naked or nude photos blurred out of them posted on the internet because they're trying to expose someone from doing something wrong. Like that is behavior I will take head on because again, if that happened to anyone else I knew, I'd be right there defending and supporting them because I know what it's like right here and right now to realize that defense any one of my former commanders, one of my commanders has three distinguished service crosses. He was the commanding officer of my special operations task group when November platoon didn't conduct their first mission to Afghanistan until September in 2012. And he could step out right now. He's already been in the media and say, hey, yes, I can confirm. November platoon didn't conduct any operations until September into Helmand. That's it. I'm not asking for anyone to put their career on the line knowing that I would be willing to put everything on the line for my guys, because that's the way that we officers are trained to be, you know, particularly those officers who have a special forces beret, knowing that they could step forward because they were once responsible for me and I put my trust in them. And here and now what that feels like to feel abandoned, even the Minister of Defence, when he wrote his generic one page letter response, when I wrote to him over a month ago to say, hey, I've always thought veterans need more um, support and should be treated with more respect. Um, you know, the Office of the Special Investigator is doing their thing. And if you need any support, please refer to this website, you know, open arms, all of that. Just crap, litigious political stuff that meets the by the book, but has no care or compassion um, for those in need. Um, you know, whereas, like I've also said this week, we were in contact overseas. We got in contact with the enemy or, uh, you know, when one of my guys got wounded, you know, you pick up that radio and you call in the support you needed. I could call in a finger of God, bombs dropping from the air, attack helicopters through to a quick reaction force or helicopters to get my guys out there and get them to the support. And when you're literally there and there is no support coming, um, there are those within even the special forces community who could speak up, who have the rank to be able to speak up and just provide the smallest amount of support. But instead, you know, not even a call or a message or anything. Um, that has been the most damaging and hurtful part about all of this. ABC can post whatever they want from me, but to be a part of a fraternity that I earned my way into through qualification and by all accounts through my conduct and operations and everything else with my guys overseas and to not have any of my former commanders reach out to me, anyone um, you know of a higher rank than mine who has that same color beret and gets issued with that daily renewable contract and I'm a commando certificate has been really, really uh, hurtful. And that's that key lesson I take away to make sure that if I'm ever in that position and there is ever someone that I can support to never be left with that feeling, then that is my absolute responsibility. And I will always move heaven and earth to do so as long as it's for the right reasons. 
Um, but if there is just information that I can use to support someone who once was willing to risk it all to support me and my mission and, and help me get that medal that they wear on their chest or whatever, you know, that's absolutely something that I will happily live and die by um, on my sword or um, on my shield, whatever it is. Yeah, anyway. um, I stand by that knowing who you are and knowing um, what you like to work with and for. Um, I definitely know that that's exactly what you're like. Yeah. And that's, that's that internal part of me. You know, this is what I was yeah. trained to do back from the advert days at the Defence Force Academy like this. I learned leadership. Leadership was one of the things that I've actually been able to successfully learn from an academic, you know, standing start through to having the lived experience now to truly appreciate, you know, personal and professional leadership. And uh, when I see that not being demonstrated by those who were a higher rank than me, who are a higher rank than I ever um, could have been or will have been, you know, that's where you just like, you have this internal struggle to appreciate that, you know, that's not actually the purest form of leadership. Like that person's not demonstrating leadership and literally negatively affecting, you know, someone who was a subordinate, which is the worst thing you could ever do as a leader is to prioritize your personal uh, ambitions or position over mm -hmm. those of any of your subordinates as an officer mm -hmm. you ate last you know you put your mission and your men before you and um you know i'm not asking for people to do that but just when there's one sentence you could do or a text message to say hey you know <laughs> with you you know um, whereas you're getting that from everywhere else but those who you put your trust in um yeah. it's it's a yeah it's, it's 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 that it's that that's that moral injury that is moral injury that is the scar that i um and the wound that i keep getting um since the start of this since i first spoke out supporting november tune the number one scar that is on my heart is having no um overt or even behind the door support from uh, my former hierarchy and that is the biggest scar that's going to stay there as the most incredible lesson learned and you and I have been having these conversations last week. They're like, look, you know, we need to stop. You need to stop making yourself so accessible. You say this, you know, I am actually the person who answers all my emails and help you out with the, the um, group emails. You know, I'll answer all of my, I manage and answer all of my own social media accounts. Whereas, as you know, I'm still yet to meet a, another political candidate or politician who does that. You've got staff, you've got everything because I care about people who want to talk to me and I care about, you know, if someone reaches out and says, hey, can you attend this event? Can you do this? Like, if someone's taken the time to do that, and I have the opportunity to do that, I will always prioritize doing that. Um, you know, there's a balance that definitely needs to be achieved one day. But if I can do it, I will. Because that's what you're trained to do. Because people now look up to you to provide that support that they can't otherwise freely access themselves. And that's, that's a privilege. That is not an entitlement. That's an absolute privilege. And it comes with that responsibility to do that. So, um, yeah, rant over. <laughs> um, so as I was going through, like, all of the next pages and the, the detail of the story and stuff, I, I just wanted to be like, I, I don't get it. Like, how is, how is this relevant? This is so relevant because it's so relevant to make sure that I live by those values, which includes accountability and to lean into these conversations because they might benefit others. Um, you know, owning up to what you've done is so pivotal, but at the same time, this has been incredible for exposing where we're at and where a number of other people and organizations are at and to, you know, be further educated by that. 
and to appreciate that a lot of that sort of optimistic and um, benefit of the doubt uh, or, you know, the truth will come out, you know, someone else will do this attitude is, is not the case and how important it is to do what you can, whatever you can at your level when you can do it and to, you know, know that, um, you know, there are definitely those who will be there to support you and to use these times to have a look at who is there in and around you. You know, the true test of culture is in crisis or in absolute success. And I stand by that. And it's been interesting when, you know, the first, um, the boat starts to rock just that little bit to see people who, you know, have jumped overboard and swam away. Um, but then at the same time to see those people and some of them such unexpected people who flock to the sides and are there holding on, you know, white knuckled regardless what season, what weather may come. Um, and that's the inspiring part. And the most, honestly, <laughs> the hardest part this week has been fielding everyone's calls and messages and texts and everything else in between. You know, people are like, oh, how's your mental health? How's this? I'm like, please understand, like, this is actually all okay. I'm actually getting more anxiety fielding and trying to respond to everyone's messages. But having said that, um, it hasn't provided any chance for things to get quiet and for the time to sit there going, oh dear, what have I done? You know, I've had all of these bad thoughts creep in about, oh my goodness, you know, no one will ever want to, you know, join the political party now. Like, I've, what have I done? You know, um, I can't take anyone else through this to run them as a candidate. Now I just have to run independently, blah, 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 blah. And then you've seen over the weekend, we've got even more members joining. We had like three or four new people put forward as candidates because people have seen, you know, the fact that I'm happy to be authentic about this. I'm happy to own this, you know indirectly the abc and whoever else has provided with me with more of a platform to demonstrate more of what my actual values and character are right here and right now um, as opposed to try and measure them to uh, a version of me that was off the tracks um, 18 months ago experiencing a whole bunch of things so you know it's 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 so fun living and learning through this period <laughs> but taking stock of even more work that needs to be done uh, because unfortunately there are some cultures um, and some individuals that uh, need a little bit more focus and attention. If forever one day I definitely have the ability to provide that influence, provide that information or even provide that direction. So yeah, food for thought. Yeah, I think like the lessons learned from this experience was gonna be a key question that you continued to answer throughout yeah. because even if you learn anything from mistakes that you make in life or, you know, your past, it's, it shapes you to be who you are today based on how you decide to learn from it or not. And yeah. I think that shapes so much of, of who you are. So it's cool to see that even in the last couple of days, you, you are already learning and already shaping the next version of you through this. Yeah, absolutely. I remember it's also important to go back and take stock. Like I remember some friends around me who like warned me off the only only fans thing when i first opened it up and um at the same time you've seen some of the messages i had so for people who don't know only fans like the people that can subscribe up to you are like completely unidentifiable like their username was like you know 10.1 ghyg or something you know it just makes it all up and i had you know some british soldier reaching out saying you know i've been following you for a while you've helped me feel comfortable coming out in the service all of this but at the same time, you know, all of a sudden it provided me with this ability to measure my a perception of my attractiveness. It provided me with an ability to measure, uh, you know, 
what I was valued, you know, that curiosity side and about a month into it, you know, that curiosity side took over and um, was corrupted by this lack of affirmation and attention and connection that I was experiencing in my personal life. And I was able to show professional results with the money that was being made and all of this, but then um, actually it was a bit more of a cover for the personal affirmation and connection and um, attraction that I probably needed um, subconsciously and allowed to be played out through um, this justification but you know and that's been incredible to reflect upon that but and I already I mean I've already had this session with my psychologist bloody at the end of last year but um, you know we unpicked all this we unpicked this behavior we went through it all and it doesn't excuse it but again it's just fascinating to know where you can be at when you don't have affirmation when you don't have um, quality time you don't have physical touch we don't have those love languages that you've heard me speak about beforehand and in particular that's what really happened during um that time for many mm. during the COVID lockdowns and isolation and all that good stuff and I think that's a really good point like right now anyone who's li listening to this could sit here and go okay maybe I didn't start an OnlyFans account and I'm learning these lessons from that particular experience however everything that you're saying right now I could people listening could probably relate it to something that however it plays out in their own life right like you just created well, that experience because you needed to feel experience those things to come to the surface at that well, time many, we we're yeah. in isolation right so that means that people's lives where they were normally numbing or keeping themselves busy or not really looking at these things came to light for so many people that's why we said we saw so much struggle in that time and I think yeah. it's just different for everyone like however that played out for them um, yeah. I think people can probably relate a lot more than you think to what you've just said. Well, I think most people experience this in some way if they're really so engaged with their social media. You know, one of the most dangerous parts of this comparison piece comes from comparing yourself to your last post or basing your own value off how many likes or engagements you got on your last post. You know, I've done that back in the days when I first started getting a lot more attention on my Instagram and other social media. Um, you know, you really start to, oh, you know, if I post something in a speedo, people engage a hell of a lot more. Whereas now I post things for a purpose that are to inform, educate, inspire, motivate others or myself. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's realizing what the purpose is behind what you're doing. Because otherwise, all we do is we're trying to play to people's opinions, whereas now it's playing to my own um, preferences. Uh, and that's where those layers of in inauthenticity can come in when you're not doing things for an authentic purpose. So I think most people can relate to it and you don't need to have, I just was able to do it getting paid for it through a subscription model <laughs> as opposed to uh, free an entrepreneur. social media. <laughs> yeah, right. Like at least you, yeah. you know. Uh, I really want to address, like I have really felt the pressure to be shamed by this. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to touch on that word. You quoted Brene Brown beforehand and I love her stuff. Like, vulnerability and this shame spiral you know the amount of people have been like dude stop apologizing for posting naked photos on getting paid for paying naked photos you know the fact that you're able to raise so much money for a charity blah 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 blah, blah. like instead of justifying excusing things but you know feeling ashamed that there's pictures of my body out there like that's my body and i took those pictures you know feeling ashamed that there's even been some pretty real homophobic tones come through either some of these reporting or some of the follow-on messages or some of the conversations that have been had you know and, you know some people have discovered for the first time that I'm gay you know in the conversation the ABC even says they went online and engaged with an online forum 
and there's an online forum that you know is filled with trolls and i call them trolls because they're not identified by their name they're fictitious usernames and people who've been reporting on my life and my life with blake back since 2019 you know saying some terrible stuff you know abusive relationship all this sort of good stuff the abc went and engaged with this online troll forum uh, and the pictures went on there they engaged with someone who posted on that forum and got them to send them a picture of me you know and i'm meant to feel shamed because they got a picture of me that i sent and exchanged in a neutral consensual um, engagement with this person to raise money for a charity like and i'm the one feeling shame so i had to really take stock this week and like i had these feelings of being shamed because i you know not being so conservative with my body feeling of being shamed because uh, you know i'd engaged in an only fans account and what that um, stigma surrounding that was being shamed because i'd done that and now was talking out about veterans mental health and you know presenting to the royal commission and signing up for a political party whereas none of that went anywhere near any of my decision making let alone the same time and space or even my own same mental health as made those subsequent decisions that i will happily live as examples that i am proud of um you know there's just this constant shame spiral that came in and you know when mum comes rushing over on Sunday to see I'm okay and I'm sit there and dad gives me a call and says, mate, I've got some photos of you when you were two years old. They want those as well. You know, it's fantastic to see, like, don't allow others to shame you, you know, particularly when those that love and care about you um, are, are there with you. And again, realizing who you are, not based off someone else and allowing yourself to be shamed is the most toxic place. And that's something we can never allow people to do have your opinions but you know don't try and put you know that shame or blame game on me because um yeah it's been great to go through and realize that and not allow myself to um, really dwell on those thoughts too much <clears throat> but i've definitely been there and it's definitely been again another great learning curve to appreciate that's where your head can very easily go yeah especially from uh, a broadcasting media platform that has come out supporting Mardi Gras saying that they, you know, want to advocate against bullying and inequality. And yet well, that's, well, I mean, this terrible part is there's been politics everywhere. You know, I, even just today, you've seen there's been you know, a gay publication or LGBTIQA plus publication that's come out, um, you know, saying that my stuff was forwarded on because people didn't agree with my conservative views or, um, you know, profess this freedom of religion, which is one of the Australian values that's on the Australian value statement held by the Department of Home Affairs. <laughs> you know, there's those within communities are the worst to each other. And if you think uh, you've seen it within the veteran community, you should also see it within the gay community, especially when it comes to politics. Um, you know, a lot of people see, you know, this side is conservative, this side is... Um, you know, being more liberated and therefore, therefore, as opposed to, you know, individuals and what they stand for. And again, most of this toxic comparison comes from what people see on social media, as opposed to, you know, you'll never have these issues from anyone you've actually met with and had conversations. <laughs> it's all of what they form opinions off you, what they've seen online. Um, I literally watched the, a real life version of that the other day when someone talked to you on the street and 
at the <laughs> at the royal too. commission <laughs> and had all of these preconceived ideas based on his own opinion that he formed and then left the conversation going oh you're actually an all right guy sorry about that handshake like <laughs> like people just you know create so many stories and stuff but, Sam, but everyone but everyone doesn't realize this this was the friday this was the uh, the friday of the uh, ceremonial launch of the royal commission here in brisbane and went inside and for the launch and then came back out and there were these two gentlemen standing there with holding up signs and something written on their shirt and i just went over to say hey g'day they were clearly veterans but um you know they're older than me and um you know they were they had a message to say and i went over there and just introduced myself straight away and it was on the way out going to grab an uber and sam was standing there next to me and next thing uh, this guy shook my hand very reluctantly and he said oh, i said you know g'day i'm heston he's like yep i know who you are um, and he was one of the founding members of um, people who campaigned for the Royal Commission. And he said, and I, what did he say? Um, I really don't appreciate you claiming, you know, sole, uh, uh, what do you say? I really don't appreciate you um, claiming as you were the sole person who achieved this Royal Commission. And, uh, you know, we've been doing this for so much longer than you. And where were you? And rah, rah, rah. And I was just like, whoa i was like okay first and foremost i'm definitely nowhere near out here saying that i was a sole person responsible for achieving the royal commission um i don't know if you've seen me up there with julianne finney i don't know if you've seen any of all the other things i've been doing but i've been able to come into this at a unique point in time and help to provide whatever support i can to help finish it off that's literally been it and uh you know then he talked to me about another article he'd seen and we just talked through it and uh told me how you know, he was struggling with uh, needing support to help people um, provide their submissions and all this. And you got to see it, Sam. Like, unfortunately, so many people in this space and in, in life in general, all he needed was some recognition for the incredible hard work he's been doing behind the scenes. And um, the media has been uh, looking at me to provide some recognition for this Royal Commission. And, um, you know, that's been their prerogative. But, you know, he hasn't been able to be amongst that and feel that so it was very important to acknowledge the contribution he's had and to just sit there and listen to his issues and just say cool well i'm very sorry you formulated those opinions from what you've seen but you've never actually met me so if there's one thing i won't tolerate is people who will say that they know me without having never met me now knowing what i know about you know media and social media and opinions and perceptions and particularly you know coming from places of trauma and anger and emotion that conversations like ventures mental health and suicide are so um, yeah. and this is we, what i see being a huge issue in in general with yeah. doing stuff behind a screen um you know we have a policy now within our stuff like anyone that comes through to us with advice and feedback and their own little comments and opinions that are anonymous we delete them we don't we yeah. don't waste time on them if you're not going to show up to the table then we don't want to hear we don't want to hear about it and yeah. so i think this is a huge problem and what i see with even the swiss eight team like if you guys were just sit around a table like you've offered many times and just air out all of the stuff and just go human to human heart to heart then that's where connections are formed but i think we all we we, we spend way too much time creating stories in our head and, and expanding yeah. from there and sitting behind a, key, a keyboard and behind all these things and it just gets worse and nothing actually gets diffused like you called me today right and you're like oh as soon as I just said can we push the podcast back like you yeah. felt better it's like we hold all of this stuff in in yeah. our body that creates it actually creates loads of stuff within our body when we're not actually just being truthful and yeah. being too authentic. many free radicals 
creates all those bad free radicals it creates like that physical stress it creates like cortisol yeah. it creates all that good stuff and your body I keeps the score it does <laughs> and that's in the military we have this saying particularly in the army it's like assumptions of the mother of all f-ups mm. you know in particularly when you're planning a mission you have to brief up front like these are my assumptions and if you haven't dedicated a resource or a capability to go and find that out so it's like for example my assumption is that we can actually fit tanks side by side going across this river crossing and it's like, if you haven't then allocated a recon team to go and find out if the tanks can do that, then your plan is actually not viable because you haven't done that. Or that assumption then turns into a risk. The risk, risk to my mission is that that crossing can't pass two tanks. And this is the mitigation I've had for that. Whereas what we keep developing now, particularly with just grabbing what we see on social media on a screen or what someone else says without that direct information, is assumption upon assumption upon assumption, or we start manufacturing our own assumptions in our head from the limited information we have. And again, I think that's what I miss so much about, particularly my role as a professional planner and planning so many missions and actually doing that things and being schooled so many times. It's like, no, you haven't proven that assumption. That is now a risk. So, you know, assumptions are the mother of all F-ups. Sometimes you have to progress on assumptions, but just know that that assumption can definitely turn into either a risk or an opportunity. Um, and I think uh, there's a lot to break down within that itself, I understand, but that's a large part of what I carry through now because it's so easy to hear from someone, oh, yeah, I don't trust them, I don't do that, and I'll always give someone the benefit of the doubt, um, but uh, it's just so important to go in there and realise that unless you have that first-hand lived experience, know that there is absolutely some form of assumption in there and that is absolutely some form of risk. Hopefully, it might be opportunity, but more likely it's going to be risk. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that. So what have we learned collectively then from, you know, from you speaking about all of this and speaking out and even doing, you know, even being brave and just getting on your, your YouTube and your Instagram and just being like, ah, okay, here, here's my stuff like that. I think that is so courageous for you to just jump on and do, but collectively, what have you, what do you think you've learned as a human today stepping into the political realm and all sorts of things that you're doing what have you what have you learned that you want the collective or everybody to kind of take away from this experience well it is a good old saying the standard you walk past is the standard you set I know a former um, army general said that but someone said it before him and uh, that really is it and everything you see in everyday life if you're willing to allow that to be the case then allow it to be the case but if you're not then do something about it don't just talk about it and um I know how ironic that is just saying I was like talking onto my own YouTube, but I remember sitting there feeling like hopeless and a bit helpless and going, you know, how can they do this? I was like, cool, then sit down and record something and get it out there. And um, it's been not only the best way to fight fire with fire, um, to get the truth out there, but it's been so therapeutic as well. You know, the, the knowing that you have all of this knowledge in your head and hoping that someone else will put it together, like, appreciating that there's actually so much information out there at the moment to expect someone to be able to pick through all of the um, the level of detail you know at an intuitive level is just not going to happen um, and that comes back to this whole thing of um, don't just sit there and wait um, don't just sit there and observe before you take action sometimes you just need to take action because it needs to be done and not to be there waiting for other people's approvals or waiting for um, you know something else to develop in order to provide that further affirmation that you're on the right track. Sometimes you just need to get out there and do it. And I think the biggest part for me has been this week, uh, just doing that little personal recalibration. 
you know, checking in with your own values and going, hey, you know, this is me, this is what I stand for. Because it would be much easier to, you know, and as a lot of people have come out to provide me with expert advice this last week on PR and crisis management, it's so much easier just to go quiet, let these things pass over, you know, Christmas and New Year's is coming up and then you can come back up. It's like, like if something is wrong, address it, um, you know, demonstrate what you stand for, um, not for the sake of it, but because it's needed. And having said that, there's been some amazing people like Lisa and Jane, as you know, who really stepped up and just been incredible this last week. And like I was saying beforehand, the true test of culture and personal character during crisis and during success and seeing those people who are ready to, you know, pick up a weapon and get in the parapet with you and keep their head above um, the line with you um, has been incredible. You know, watching old Benny Fordham, like, get in there um, because he has gone through and done his research and detail the facts. Like he's taken incredible personal risk in doing so, uh, professional risk, sorry, in doing so. And, you know, um, Steve Price and some of the other radio outlets, it's been incredible to see. And Sky News, it's been incredible to see those friends, I'll say it, acquaintances, friends in the media. But at the same time, the most um, incredible and most valuable support has been the behind the scenes support has been, like I was saying, people like yourself, who's always there, the family support, you know, and this is, and the online community support. And this is that thing that I keep coming back to where we need to just focus on that community level because when you lose your identity or when your identity takes a hit or when you lose your purpose or your purpose takes a hit or ends, it comes back to who is that actual community that you have connection with and not connection for any form of transaction, but connection for being connected and to support you. And you hear me time and time again, we need to stop just trying to issue people with purpose. We need to stop trying to define people by labels. We need to surround people with communities that they can achieve connection with and can achieve any label that they need to feel themselves and to be themselves and to find their authentic selves and then have that purpose be that magnifier that makes them thrive as opposed to just surviving where too many of us can find ourselves. Mm, incredible. So I know that you've got your own account to all of this stuff and all of the skeletons in your closet in your book. And so how do we, when does this come out? How can we read it? Where can people go? To uh, that's a good question. That? It's still awaiting like that OPSEC um, review by uh, defence. You know, we're doing the writing and having to go through all the steps. So 2022? Uh, 2022, yeah, hopefully it comes awesome. out around March or April. I really want it to come out before the election because I want it to have everything out, out but we, you know, we don't know when the election is being called. Um, but either way, if you have listened to my podcast, you will have every ounce of information that is in that book. It's just in a much more um, succinct way. I reckon so. there's a little bit, you know, I was reading it and I felt like I got to know you a bit more. You know, oh, sorry. I'm all. I, see again. I've got this negative mindset now. There's all the bad things you've already heard throughout my entire life on my podcast, but there's so much goodness that I was able to finally focus and concentrate and get into that. And it's going to be so great to get some of those stories out there. I cried at least three times, <laughs> and I laughed. At, I laughed a lot. And you know, yeah, I think, yeah, I, we won't and say it more so, because it's coming up. But for yeah. people who do want to go to um, KirstenRussell.com. Um, subscribe join to the, the mailing, mailing list, list. Yeah. yeah we won't we get... won't do like a, an order now we'll just say if you join the mailing list at hestonrussell.com once the book comes out i'll send you know how to get it and whatever discount for yeah. the heston russell community um out through there and what i will say probably quickly on that is how 
therapeutic and amazing it was to go through that book writing experience. You know, you've seen me when I get sort of a flurry of things, like just being able to write up an article for a newspaper or something. But going back through and doing that full self-assessment and self-revision um, and then, you know, showing your family and do all that, it's been like just an incredible, like cathartic experience in itself. And it's actually helped remember so many little inspirational moments and even reconnect, you know, I call up some of my guys saying, hey, I was just writing about that transit we did from Papua New Guinea and remembered like, you know, both our noses peeling off because we didn't wear sunscreen, you know, having these conversations and just being like, you know, reminiscing with people over it. Um, it's been really cathartic and really enjoyable to do as well. Well, 2022. So sign up to hesterrussell.com. 2022, that's the year for you. Anyway. And you'll get all of his skeletons and ups and downs and sideways, all things yeah. in the book. It's amazing. So I look forward to the final copy of that. Um, and then, the, so we still have a petition going with ABC. So yeah. we've got over 25,000 signatures now. It's about another two weeks from this day, I think the 22nd of December. So just in time for it to be a nice Christmas present, the petition ends. So go to vsf.org.au slash ABC and you'll be able to read through the whole background or you can simply click any one of the many links that say sign the petition, scroll down, sign the petition. It'll send you an email to verify you're a real person, not a bot. And then once you complete that, your, your digital signature, you don't actually have to affix a proper signature, uh, will be recorded. And this is democracy in action. Our noise and numbers make and cause action. So thank you to so many people who have done that. And please forward it to a friend. And if you're listening to it, take action. If you're listening and to this podcast after that's been done, uh, I look forward and I'll make yeah. the estimation that we make 50,000 signatures. Is that all? I'm <laughs> kidding. I want 100,000, yeah, but we'll awesome. see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when all of this goes quiet, this week particularly goes quiet, what, what's your, what are you going to do? We, well, we know it's been, we know from like 7am Sunday, which yeah. you haven't stopped. So um, yeah, what, what happens when it all goes quiet for Hester Russell this week? Well, well, as you know, this, uh, we have been working so hard and you have been working so hard behind the scenes that we are literally having um, rostered time off. And uh, this weekend I'm catching a plane and going on a trip that I'm um, really looking forward to. And I'm just disappearing and doing a social media detox and, We'll come back for Christmas and enjoy the family. And then come January, 2022, it's time to hit the ground running and get candidates ready and get the team trained and supporting each other, ready to go. So it's time once the Royal Commission finishes the end of this week to take some time off because we're no good to anyone unless we're on our top of our game. And it's been over a year now at full throttle and it's time to take a bit of a break. And do you have the tools around you to be able to, you know, deal with uh, the quietness? Oh, I can deal with all the quietness. I'm going to go find myself next to a beach. I find the ocean so therapeutic. I need to get yeah. some sun. I'm going to focus on like some good eating. I'm going to focus on some good training. Uh, at the same time, I'm going to focus on actually having some fun and, you know, having some drinks or, you know, getting sleeping in and, you know, watching, you know, watching TV for the sake of watching TV and reading a book, you know, all those things you take for granted and plenty of copper time and family time at Christmas as well. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, Heston Russell, thank you for <laughs> the, the continuous, like, I don't even know how to explain it. I just continually watch you just keep, like show up to all of this stuff that I'm just amazed about that continues to happen. And you, you just, you don't give up. You really demonstrate accountability, leadership, responsibility, and integrity. And I, I'm 
always inspired by the fact that you just keep going. So thank you for what you well, do. Well, Sam, I thank you for those compliments. As you know, I'm getting better at accepting compliments because I hate them. You're like, oh. <laughs> but um, it's been, like I said, the most inspiring part of this has been seeing who of those you've heard people like Dan Kieran talk about those times in combat. It's for those who are standing to the left and the right of you. And it's been incredible seeing those who've been standing to the left and right during these trying times, those who've been ready in support. And um, it's, it is, it is all a team effort just because you're there. I'm there doing it with the microphone, right? And they're doing it in public. Like it is a literally a team effort and this whole thing would fall over if yourself and others weren't there. So go team. And um, this will probably be the last episode we do this year. So this is where I get to finish off and say thank you so much for being um, the last guest on the Heston Russell, formerly Voice of a Veteran podcast for this year. Um, and here's to 2022. I can't wait to spend it with you. Ha! <laughs> always have to have a rhyme. Oh, um, always. But I also have to say that this podcast and any content has been authorised by Heston Russell, Australian Values Party Brisbane, just in case it gets used in any context that might be affiliated as so so there you go and as always you can say it really fast with a deep voice my voice i can't my voice is getting croaky i haven't had enough sleep and it goes croaky so i don't want to you can say it high pitched if you want i'm going in tomorrow to record those radio <laughs> interviews so, authorized by heston russell for the train values party <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. i mean they kind of had like a little bit of like a twang to it there we go that's good either way Thanks, team. If you uh, want to catch previous episodes, go back to and find the Heston Russell podcast on Apple, on uh, Spotify, on what else is it on? I mean, it's on all the platforms. So whatever your preferred platform is, type in Heston Russell podcast, you'll find it. Or you can go to hestonrussell.com for for show notes, for for more information. Um, You'll find everything on there as a little hub as well. Absolutely. Otherwise, peace out and see you later. See ya. See ya.